Welcome to Tackless Radio. to another episode of Tackless Radio. I first just want to let you all know that this past weekend, I celebrated a year, a year of being a podcaster. Tackless is a year, y'all. Yay. Congratulations to moi and to me. But I also just want to give a shout out to all of my family members, all of my friends, my partner, the support that I've received from every single one of you all this past year and just allowing for me to start a new creative venture that I've wanted to start for so long. Thank you so much for allowing for me to be open, for me to be honest and just holding space really for you all this podcast really is a podcast for the people and we are having some very important conversations that I think the world should hear we're hearing from our leaders and we're hearing from CEOs and we're hearing from billionaires and executives and nobody gives a fuck about what they're talking about we have the power and the people they need to be heard. And essentially, that is why I wanted to start this podcast is so that the individuals who are the oppressed, the poor, the downtrodden, the forgotten, know that they have a space to let loose and let that shit fly. Like if you are mad about something, baby, you get to be mad and we're gonna be mad together because what they don't want y'all to understand is that we have way more in common than we do differences. So keep that in mind. So with all of the amazing conversations we've been having this past year, I just wanted to say happy birthday, which is February 18th. My little podcast is like a Aquarius Pisces cusp. Of course it would be, especially with my North node being Aquarius. Of course, my little podcast here is like right on the cusp, but my podcast 
was February 18th of 2021 was when I dropped my first episode, Amistad Allies, which when I go back and listen to that episode, I've come such a long way. I'm proud to listen to that episode and just see how far I've come. Um, It's good, you know, sometimes to go back and reflect on where you started and how far you've come. So you all heard Tyler, the creator song is called Earthquake coming on in here because I am going to the Tyler, the creator concert later on today to 22-2022. It is a angel day, a portal day, a manifestation day. So, and it's also a Tuesday. It's a lot of alliterations today. I, I woke up and got my candles and my oils and my incense and my journal and manifested and meditated and put on some good calming music because I'm going to really channel in positive energy because America's about to burn to the ground because on the other side of all of this today is America's quote-unquote Pluto return and for all the astro girlies y'all know exactly what that means so I figured I try to just instill positive energy balance and peace in my own domain because everything else is gonna be a shit show so wanted to let you all know that I am just so excited to still be here after a year 30 episodes later and making such a positive impact on just my community one day tactless will reach the world and make a positive impact on the world but I am super excited and just overjoyed with the impact that I've made thus far so with that we're going to continue having creative courageous conversations and this week we're going to be focusing on the great resignation one that I myself as of recently joined because we are seeing something incredible that I hope all of you all are paying attention to because this is a very historic moment we might actually see our government crumble (laughs) and have to start over. And for that, I'm here for it. So I invited my girlfriend, Alexis and Blair for us to sit down and talk about the great resignation, corporate life, millennials in corporate spaces, self-care because we are all feeling so burnt out right now and ways that you can realign what is most important to you and how to show up for you even at work. We share some stories, we have some laughs, but I want you all to take away most from this conversation is that you are the most important thing. So always make sure that you are prioritizing yourself. And with that, we're gonna go ahead and get into our tactless topic of the week. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Tackless Topic of the Week. And this one's really exciting because not only are you all going to be hearing my mouth run, you're also going to be listening to two of my favoriteest people. We were actually just cracking jokes about how amazingly organized these two individuals are. So I have my bestie since college, Alexis, and I actually have my sister from another mister, Blair, and I'm excited to have the two of you all today. 
because we're going to be talking about corporate narcissism and the great resignation. And honestly, these two particular women have such a perspective that I'm excited to for them to share because Alexis has a little bit of a perspective coming from the HR world, the understanding of what that corporate lifestyle looks like, even some understanding of where it's transitioning to, especially amongst the pandemic. And then Blair is not only one of the most organized women I've ever seen, one of the most innovative women when it comes to scheduling and putting things through and problem solving, but she has had such an extensive relationship with all of the corporations that she's been a part of to not only have seen firsthand some of that corporate narcissism, but to understand it from a self-care, self-help, self-love perspective to share out with others. So with that, I'm excited for the two of you all to be here. Hello. <laughs> Hello. So we'll go first with you, Lex. Tell the people what you up to these days, boo. Outside of just being a badass boss bitch, which we are all very aware of. Go ahead and tell the people what you are up to these days. Oh, Lord. I lose track of myself. Um, I um, am a HR consultant um, uh, part-time. And I am a real estate broker, a real estate investor, um, and a landlord um, with the rest of my time. Um, I've been in the HR space for about 10 years. Um, and I started real estate, um, as a broker a year, a year and a half ago. Um, my first investment was about seven years ago. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's how I spend my days running around the Chicago streets. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's changed, girl. Nothing's nope, changed. Not at all. <laughs> Blair, tell the people what have you been up to these days? What gets you out of bed? Oh, yeah. Uh, great question. Coffee in the morning, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, besides my addiction to that drug. Um, yeah, so I'm kind of originally from the Midwest, from a small town, but uh, grew up with a fascination of the big city. And so I've moved from, I lived in New York for four to five years and then went from New York to Chicago. And so I would say just being in the city and having that city environment around me really keeps me going. Um, I'm an executive assistant in my nine to five day to day. Um, and I've been doing that for, I would say about seven to eight years collectively through various types of organizations. Um, but then in my personal time, I like to paddleboard and put together puzzles <laughs> and uh, see my nieces. So that's always fun. Oh, that is so beautiful. Thank you, ladies, for giving the people just a little bit about who you are and why you were qualified to even have this conversation with us today. <laughs> and I want to set the stage about the conversation that we're having, which is really about about the workplace today. What does it look like? How has it shaped our lives? What does it mean for the future? And I think it's interesting because all of us on the call are millennials. A lot of my conversations are geared towards the millennial viewpoint and perspective. And we're seeing something completely different that we've not seen before. Previous generations would work at a job for 20, 30 years, collect a pension, and then go sit down somewhere. Their job was difficult. They complained about their coworkers. They hated their boss. But one thing they never did was quit. 
They always stuck through. I have had that experience with my parents. I know a lot of us have seen Gen X and boomers. That's their relationship with their jobs. Our relationship's a little different because the moment you piss us off, we're ready to go. And that's what we're kind of seeing right now with the great resignation. We're having conversations with our manager where we're kind of like, no, I would like to have an upscale conversation. We're not just going to talk about how I can be better. We're going to talk about how all of us can be better. We're starting to see corporations say, okay, girl, you want more time off? You want to have a work-life balance? I know a lot of us are talking about work-life harmony. A lot of corporations are saying, okay, you need more time off if you have a child. You need more benefits. These benefits need to look better. They're making these packages look a lot more palatable for us because we're now saying we are giving our lives to these corporations in a way that our parents essentially just kind of pushed under the rug. If we're realizing that we're spending more than 40 hours a week at these corporations and we have started to work every single day, weekends and nights and early thing in the morning, it's become our life. Then we at least want a little bit, we want a bigger cut of the pie. So I want to have this deeper conversation with you all because it's one that we are all really struggling with, especially with the pandemic, really pushing to the top, the priorities of what really matters to us. So I kind of want to take it back though. want to take it back. Let's take it back. Let's take it back. I want you, Alexis Blair, to think of 21-year-old Alexis. And I want you to think of 21-year-old Blair with the little twinkle and glimmer in her eye. And she's graduated and she has her degree. And now it's time for her to get out there into the working world. Did you feel prepared? Were you equipped with all the tools you needed? How many times did you fall flat on your face before you were like, aha, I get it. Because I think before we get to the space of where we are now, I want to take it back to just the very beginning of that aha shock moment when you finally get out of college and you get into the real world and you realize it's not really what you thought it was. So Lex, I would love to hear from you first. Oh my God. (laughs) oh my god thinking back like I want to shake myself (laughs) um I oh my gosh where do I start um I'm at DePaul I'm stressing to get a full-time job um I was interviewing like crazy um and I I landed my first opportunity it was a massive organization um And I was just so excited. I just felt so lucky that I was selected for that job opportunity. Um, It was like very entry-level HR. Um, I I showed up to orientation and, you know, day in, day out after that. Um, I felt prepared. I'll tell you, I felt prepared for how school taught me to show up. And to be grateful for being selected. And I will tell you, like, very, very early on, I quickly noticed and associated my gratefulness with being the only brown person within the HR spaces that I was working in. And I think I worked there for about a year and a half. Um, And honestly, by like month six, 
every day. I was like crying when I got home, cried myself to sleep, and then I would wake up and do it all over again. <laughs> but there was so much that played into that. Um, yeah, girl. But I, I will say school prepared me for the work. Um, it did not prepare me for the extraness that goes into work. <laughs> Blair, girl, I know. I know when you came out of college, you were like excited because you just have such a bubbly personality. I know your first experiences in corporate probably knock my bubbly Blair down a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Did you feel equipped girl? Did you feel equipped? Oh, I think I felt the furthest thing from equipped. I, I was just like Alexis with like the eagerness of being in my last year at school and trying to find a job. But my situation was a little different because I was, I had spent my junior year in New York City and then had to finish out my senior year back in West Lafayette at the Purdue campus. Um, And so I was just trying to get back to the Big Apple. And I didn't have a job. So I remember I graduated. I lined up an opportunity to get an interview right after graduation. So I had this job interview like two days after commencement. So I went from Purdue to the airport and went straight to New York and interviewed. And then I flew from New York back to Indiana, um, you know, to live with my parents for the summer until I heard back from this company. And I ended up not getting the position that I interviewed for and then decided to just make a one-way ticket um, August 29th, (laughs) 2010. I'll never forget it. Two suitcases (laughs) two tote bags and one very large prayer all riding on the fact that I was going to sleep on the futon in my friend's kitchen and just try and find a job once I got there. And then after about a month of being there and spending my days job searching, I found a job, um, but I had no idea what was in store after I got that job. So that was really, really eye-opening. I think what's so interesting with your story and Alexis is that you felt like you had at least a good foundation. Like the excitement was there. The optimism was there. The knowledge was there. The understanding that you at least were equipped with with the degree that said that you belong at the table. That understanding was there. But the appreciation or the I'm going to do air quotes, the appreciation of be appreciative. You're at the table, brown girl, or for you, Blair, you're kind of like, I was not aware of what this actually was going to entail. It's very interesting because that is kind of like every person's rite of passage is finding that job, landing that job, getting into spaces that you might have to carve out a little bit. It's kind of like a part of the quote unquote hazing process of becoming an adult. And then once you get there, you're kind of like, Mm, I really don't like any of this. 
So I kind of want to now take it a little step further because we're talking about 21-year-old Alexis and 21-year-old Blair and kind of just having that aha moment of like, so this is really what it's going to be about. I want you now to, to kind of think about you being about four year, three, four years into your career, where now you got a little skin in the game. You have a voice. You've seen a couple things. You've gone through a couple things. You've maneuvered those hierarchical spaces. Um, you've fallen on your face a couple times. You've spoken up when you weren't supposed to speak up and then had to realize on the back end, you being a woman or you being a person of color, they expect you not to speak up. So now you have to maneuver these spaces even differently than other people. Think about kind of like that mid-level, kind of like, okay, I've been here for a while. I got my footing. At that point, you've seen things. Things have happened to you. There's been some very unfortunate experiences that you've had to go through to acquire that knowledge. Because to the point that we're making here is that no one really prepares you for this. You have to learn all of this on your own. And unfortunately for us as women, for us being women of color, being black, we when we learn it, it's not within grace. People are meaner to us about it. We have a shorter window to get it right. And we have to get it right quickly. So I kind of want to take just space right now for you all to share those stories of having to navigate the space as a woman, as a woman of color, as a young person, as a person who does not have children, all of those things, all of those factors that kind of make up where people place you at work. What were those moments or just share one if you'd like where you had to say, okay, this is how I'm going to have to navigate this space if I actually want to be successful. That's interesting because I didn't really get any, and this is one of the regrets that I think I have um, in navigating this whole process of learning how to do your job, learning your place in the world, learning how to be you at work and do what's yours to do. Um, No one ever told me how valuable it would be to seek out a mentor after graduation to kind of help me navigate some of those um, hard life decisions that you have to go through. Um, And I wish I would have kind of latched on to someone older than me, someone in a different space career-wise. And I wish I would have really fought hard to get mentorship in that area. And so it's something that at this point now I've decided, okay, I'm going to have to fight for this myself. So I was navigating all the way up until I would say a few years ago, all of this that I was experiencing on my own. And it was hard. I think at first I felt really taken advantage of in moments where my manager and I didn't see eye to eye. I didn't really know how to process that tension. My manager was was a woman of color, my very first manager. I was not, like I'm not. And there was a disconnect there. And we didn't actually sit down and talk about it. We didn't have any open, honest conversations about who we both were and the reality of things. And, you know, I think now 
like it's interesting that you made a comment saying that this podcast is primarily geared towards millennials because I think we're now at this stage in our life as millennials where we're navigating this in a much more real and open dialogue very conversation yeah and it's okay to just put your hand up and say I don't like I may not know something in this area so teach me and it goes both ways you know and um and so there was none of that it was all just I'm your manager it's my way or the highway and the things that were said to me were just, I mean, you would not be able to say those to an employee uh, these days. But I think Woo! I had to navigate all that on my own. And that was really, I would say that took me out. There were a couple of years where I was really discouraged about work, about the, my career path, about what it was that I was supposed to do in life. And I didn't really know kind of how to get through that unless I was just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep moving. So girl, <laughs> yeah, experiences, they shape you. They, they really do shape you as an, as a employee, as a person that shows up in your industry. Those are some very pivotal moments, but thank you so much Blair for kind of sharing because I, you very much so touch on a point that I think is important that we talk about that we don't talk about enough is when we say, and I'm not, say, I'm not saying I'm the we, but when companies say, I want you to show up your most authentic self, but they are not advocating or creating those spaces for you to do so, or at least having mediators there to be the ones to educate, because I definitely don't think it's the responsibility of the other person to educate, but for someone to be there to do the diversity work then are you really allowing for people to show up authentically? It's so easy to say that, but you have to create those spaces. Like for me to be a manager, and I understand that the person that who is my direct hire is different from me, and we just see the world differently, we have to tackle that first if we're going to be able to have a conducive, at least a conducive conversation so that we can get things done. So Lex, what you got? <laughs> yeah, Um I would, so, I mean, my experience, oh, man, breaking it down, looking all the way back. Um, so I have been, I've had the great opportunity to transition um, throughout my 10 years into different industries. Um, but with each industry, it was, it was the same, same scenarios. Um, the only um, Hispanic girl in the department. Um, I didn't really have anyone to like talk to really about this. Um, even my friends, um, we couldn't really connect cause they were also in different fields of work too. And being in the HR space, it's kind of like, well, you're in HR, like you, um, you should, you shouldn't be feeling this way. Fix it. Like if you feel this way, you know, um, really? You got wow. no were more you got no sympathy because you were in HR? Um, well yeah, because I mean, well, one, I you know, even my closest friends were like, Well, we you know, they didn't really trust HR. So they're like, Well, you're like in this mm. you're in this space that like you're yeah. seen as the bad cop. And I'm yeah, like, you're the well, I'm, girl. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. And you know, I 
tried not to position myself in that way. Like, yes, I chose this career and I placed myself, um, you know, I'm an employee advocate and I've always been an employee advocate. Um, I always, you know, tell this uh, personal story, like when I'm interviewing or we're just when I'm talking about my career and how I chose it. Um, I mean, I was young. I was being taken to job sites for family members to translate all the time. So I was asking questions about pay. I was asking questions about benefits. I was asking questions about promotions, you know, for family members who had been working in a factory job for years and, you know, were constantly overlooked for roles. And, you know, I kind of caught on at a young age. It's like, nah, uncle, like you're not getting this promotion. You've been here 15 years, but, um, yeah, you, you don't look the part. (laughs) So you know, it was just, wow, I yeah. kind of caught on. Wow. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, the reason I chose to be in HR was because I wanted to make that change. Well, a lot of it was on me. I chose the wrong industries to be in. Um, and it wasn't until I got into like manufacturing where I felt I, my true value um, and my purpose was being fulfilled. Um, all the other industries, I was, it was very uncomfortable for me. Um, again, like I was, I was a female, I was Hispanic. I didn't relate to the other, you know, girls in my department. Um, I never up until 20, yeah, 2018, I, I only had, um, Caucasian bosses, um, females only, you know, I went through, I'd say with each position, I went through like a different situation. You know, my first one being, I was Hispanic. I would come to the, you know, company potluck and I would, you know, around the holiday season, I would bring like a certain food. And then it was just the expectation, you know, to explain every meal that I bring. Mind you, no one else explained, you know, how their potluck, you know, her, how their mashed potatoes or pot roast was put together. But I had to, I have kinky hair. So everyone loved to, oh my God, I love your curly hair and run their hands through it. Um, you know, what did you do this weekend? I, I think there was only very, very small amounts of times where I've, I like opened up, I, I tested the waters in each role. You know, I come from, you know, Hispanic family. So we have, you know, gatherings for baptisms, birthdays, and they're big or they're, you know, there's religious, um, ties to these celebrations and, you know, explaining, or, you know, I have cousins among cousins among cousins. And I would always get a blank stare, you know, because I'm in my twenties. It's like, you didn't go out and black out this weekend. And it's like, no, well, one, I can't afford to do right. that every weekend. Right. Um, <laughs> two, my grandmother would have my behind if I were not, you know, in church on Sunday, <laughs> with, mm-hmm. you know, right. Um, right. <laughs> and I was just always like, looked at funny. And then, you know, I would, then, you know, things just over time would be like snarky, like coming back on a Monday or Tuesday. And it's like, oh, like what family party did you have this weekend? You know, when it came to in company meals that we would sign up and bring like, oh, like what, you know, what tamales are you going to bring or what, you know, um, big, you just, what are you, what t- are you bringing the green tamales? Are you bring the red tamales? And it's like, oh, I ain't cooking for y'all. Like it's one, it's springtime. It ain't tamale season. <laughs> But, um, um, Girl. yeah, I mean, and then like after that, it, it became, and then it, be, you know, certain roles became different. You know, I had different bosses who were quite older than I was. I, you know, it was more of like a bullying. It was like high school all over again. Um, uh, I had a one boss specifically that like, she actually had, um, a African-American, um, senior role. Um, me and her were partners. And that woman 
carried the department on her back. Um, I love her to this day. I still keep in touch with her. And she constantly was being overlooked for promotions and she was being lied to left and right. And then, I mean, I started two years after she started and we were working hand in hand and I was new. I, oh my gosh, she just picked on us like crazy. We would be having lunch together and then it got to the point where she would make us take separate lunches. We're salary employees, like, you know, we're not hourly. So there's no reason why we should be staggering our lunches. It was just, it was very ridiculous behavior. Um, and it, I mean, it wasn't until 2018 that I got my, you know, I worked at a black owned company and, um, I finally saw diversity in the organization. Um, and I was supported by a f- another female. She was my boss and she was all about, you know, elevating myself in education, um, just being confident in any space that I enter. And it was amazing. It was such a shift. Um, and that's when I started to realize like, okay, not only should I be, should I've been looking for jobs that like one, I could just do the job and get paid to pay my bills. But, um, what more, you know, what more can they do for me or what could this boss do for me? Um, right. Because one thing that I, I, I also used to oversee an internship program and I tell the interns, you know, don't be nervous when you're interviewing because when you're in, you're also interviewing them. Um, you're giving them a large chunk of your time. Um, and yes, you're being paid for it. One, you want to make sure that the pay is your worth. Um, you know, granted you're coming out of college, you have no experience, you know, let's get real about the worth. You're not, you're not going to get paid 150 an hour, <laughs> but um, right. what more, um, you know, besides the, the, what you're getting paid, can they offer from a company perspective, you know, their benefits are laid out. That's what they offer. But, you know, interview your boss. What, what is your boss going to do outside of just bring you on board and get you to do the job? Um, you want to make sure that they're, that they could pour into you just as much as you're pouring into the organization. Um, and it wasn't for me until 2018 when I, you know, got my first boss at, uh, this amazing boss that just was pouring into me nonstop. Even as I've stepped away, she sends me messages, checks in, she prays over me. It's, it's, it's an experience I've never had and I wish it for everyone. Um, but, um, yeah, it took 2012 to 2018 and quite a few job changes to do that and realize that. That's beautiful that you finally were able to have that experience. And that's unheard of unheard of that you have that type of experience with at that moment, a manager, and then has turned into what sounds like a mentor that still supports you. And I kind of want to open this up because the great resignation is going on right now to the point that if people are not able to find community within their positions, if they're not able to find managers that understand them and support them, if people are not able to be able to show up their authentic self and not feel weirded out or slighted or disrespected in doing so, what we're seeing is that people are willing to leave and just step away. So I would love for you all to chime in on some things that you all have seen be contributing factors to why we are now witnessing what everyone is calling the great resignation. 
Well, one, we definitely are in the great resignation. You you are right about that. <laughs> I <laughs> I mean, I see it in my friends, I see it in people around me, like you see it in quality control as we've entered like as we've gone through a pandemic, which hopefully we are coming out of soon, you know, I think people really reevaluated what's important in their lives. And I didn't even know about the true definition of self-care until we entered the pandemic. And I had the space to actually implement it into my life. Yeah. And when you're faced, when you're thrown into a world pandemic with um, a virus that is detrimental to everyone's health, um, you can't help but find something that is only going to help your mental sanity in that. Um, and so I leaned on therapy. <laughs> I leaned on self-care to the max, like taking a good spa day and just pouring into myself. And I didn't really even understand the definition of rest. And I think that is starting to catch up with our generation. Um, I think a lot of us got thrown into the corporate world in the middle of the recession or Girl, coming out of that. Am I speak right? Speak on it. Speak like, on it. Yes. Apparently, like, I'm we, college and we were like, this is what we got Girl. to look forward to? A recession. Girl. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, I only like to job search in a recession or a pandemic. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think we're so used, like we were used to working hard and um, sacrificing a lot of ourselves for the man. And I mean, how unfortunate is it that it was so true that it was also just men leading these organizations that we were we were working for and right and i think we've had the opportunity to take a look back and say none of this really matters what i am building in the bottom line for this corporation doesn't matter unless there's some sort of impact tied to it because if for nothing else i want to be remembered for how I made this world a better place and for being a better person and for helping more people and bringing exposure to the hard things that I've had to go through. Um, and so I think we're just at this point where we're fed up. I think I'm, I'm definitely getting to that place. Like I have never been more clearer on what working conditions I need to be highly successful in my day to day and in my mental sanity and um, just taking care of my overall health. And it's, I think it's become a big wake up call for everyone. And I think we were thrown into these jobs and we worked hard and there was, there was a lot of money at the time that was given to us. And, you know, our generation now has the funds to stop you know, kind of take press pause on things. And <laughs> I mean, cause at the end of the day, it's like, well, how are you paying your bills in all of this? But 
it's kind of getting to the point where money doesn't matter anymore. It's all about sustainability. And if we're only going to keep going in this world as millennials, if we're going to be the ones now leading the generations to come, like we got to be able to sustain ourselves much more than we were in the past. And so I'm on board with the great resignation because I think a lot of good is going to come from it. I think we're going to streamline systems. I think we're going to get clearer on what we need mentally and health wise for ourselves to take care of ourselves better. And I think there's going to be more success and sustainability in the millennial generation. Reach, <laughs> reach. I agree. Yes, Lex. Being in the HR space and seeing it and some of the, you know, clients that I support, I'm like helping recruit for and, you know, reaching out to people. And I, I mean, I'm taking, at first I was taken back by the responses I get, but you know, now I'm What like, kind of responses were you getting? I get, you know, like, yeah, you know, that's, thank you for reaching out. Um, you know, before moving forward, I just want to make sure that this role, you know, aligns with what I'm looking for to even, you know, have me considering leaving. I'm looking at this comp range. I'm looking at this type of role is, you know, does this fit, you know, what you're trying to talk to me about? And some of these ranges, I'm like, oh, child. <laughs> People coming out swinging. <laughs> you, you just graduated, but you don't get your card. Hey, do what you need to do. <laughs> it's also like they work in tech and right now, you know, these tech folks, they making, they shmoney. Okay. And I respect it. The pandemic forced us to realize that one, a lot of this work can be done from home. When that happened, a lot of people were home and working. And then those not so great managers really started to shine. Um, they started to micromanage and employees were realizing, okay, yes, I'm working from home, but I'm not, I like, I am, no, I'm not at, I'm not working from home. I'm at home working. And it's like, they're, they may clock in at eight, but they're not clocking out till like 8 PM again. And at least in the office, you were coming in at eight, but you were leaving by like the norm five, six o'clock. Um, <clears throat> and so people started to realize like, this is not for me, regardless of whatever salary you throw at me. Um, it's not what I want. It's not, I, my sanity and my health uh, is worth, you know, more than that to me. So, I mean, what I see now is people are taking pay cuts. Um, one, the work requires a lot less. It's less commuting. Um, you know, it's less responsibility, maybe a little less stress. Um, and they're also able to work from home. A lot of people have relocated to live their like dream life in the country or in a nice, beautiful high rise um, that they're able to enjoy. Uh, and instead of just being there to sleep and then going into the office, um, I, you know, I, I myself went through uh, like similar situation. Like one, I just, I'm, I mean, I work in HR, so I am used, I was used to like seeing people daily. Um, so it was a change for me. Um, I missed seeing people from time to time. Um, 
And then I started to dabble into real estate and I got my license and that's where I would get my people fixed. You're such um, a Virgo. Only a Virgo would say I dabbled into real estate and made that an entire <laughs> new career for myself. I dabbled in a, yeah. and, and I dabbled in starting a podcast. You just started a whole nother stream of income. All right. But, con- <laughs> but continue, continue, you know, just make me feel like I'm um, worthless. Yeah. So, I mean... <laughs> I got my people fixed from that. Um, and then I like started to think and realize that like, this is what I want to do. Um, so, I mean, the pandemic and working from home gave me time to realize like, you don't, I don't want to clock in nine to five every day. I don't want to work for somebody else. Um, I want to continue to help other people. I want to build generational wealth. I want to educate black and brown people on how, they can build generational wealth and invest in real estate. And um, yeah, and I think uh, one, I, I, a lot of my like thinking and research and learning was one from YouTube and meeting other real estate people, but uh, I'm gonna give credit where credit needs to go. It's TikTok, okay. I spent- <laughs> I love TikTok. <laughs> I, I like fought TikTok for like a good seven to eight months of the, the, of the yeah. pandemic. And then I finally was we like, are all millennials. Yeah, we all fought it. Let's all millennials it. fought it. Yeah. Then we joined it and we've been hooked. Since. I have been. And I, um, I started to learn about other side hustles that people could do. And I just think all this time, all these people started to realize that like I could do more with less time and I could make a little less and still survive. Um, and I think now it's people aren't motivated by money anymore. Um, they're motivated. They're they're motivated by the time that they get. Um, and so, I mean, that's what I'm finding with at least people that I'm talking to, just about new op- job opportunities and stuff like that. And even my time now, like I will slow, I will slowly and eventually transition to being full time real estate an investor, a flipper. And stuff like that. You know, I plan to invest in other markets. I plan to, you know, go to different countries and, and invest there. Um, and as I'm learning to do that, I'm, I'm being patient and I'm still, you know, putting in my time and, you know, working in HR, but I'm, I'm learning every day. I'm, you know, really fine tuning my plan to make that exit of a corporate job and then, tra- you know, transitioning to financial freedom um, where I, you know, decide what time and days I want to work, what days I don't want to work. Um, I want to, you know, I would love to plan to have a family, um, but I also want to be present. Um, my partner works from home. He's a software developer and he works from home and he can balance being present for like his nieces and nephews. And um, I know, and we've had the conversation where like, if I have kids, if, you know, if we have kids, I'm going to be mad, jealous, and upset that you get to witness all of their first stuff because you're home. Now, yes, you're working, but you're also present and you can witness it yourself. And then I come home after five exhausted and I miss walking. I miss first word. I miss like all this stuff. And so, yeah. um, you know, we had that conversation and it got real, you know, adulting conversations. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And I, you know, I made the decision and I started making my plan, but, um, I will say at least with like millennials, we're, we're being a bit smarter about it. Yes. We still hold on to that fear of like not having anything lined up. 
So we're trying to be a bit smarter. We're trying to make sure that, you know, our funds are aligned with our plans. Um, I'm, I mean, I myself am very spiritual. So, you know, whatever's meant to happen to me will happen, but I can also do the work to make sure I'm in a better position what, for whatever happens next for me. So, um, yeah, uh, I just talked a whole lot <laughs> about a lot, a lot. <laughs> but, I mean, power to millennials, power to, you know, even these Gen Zers that are, stand, you know, putting their foot down, saying what they want, you know, what they're willing to do, what they're not willing to do. But, like, doing it to the ones that are doing it gracefully and with a realistic expectation. Because there's some that are out there that are, like, just putting their hand out there without having the anything to back it up or putting willing to put in the work. It just, it, it ruins it for the rest of us. But um, the ones that are smart about it and realistic and um, owning what they want, what they're willing to accept and what they aren't willing to accept. Um, yeah, I 100% I stand behind them. Love that. Thank you. These have been fantastic perspectives that you all have shared because it has allowed for so many of us to probably just one take a step back and ask ourselves when we entered into the workforce, were we prepared? Did we have the tools? Were we equipped? Did we have the necessary skills? Were we qualified? Did we have the confidence? There's so many factors that just go into stepping into the corporate world and the corporate space. And then once we've been there, we've learned a couple things. What we thought we knew wasn't necessarily the truth. What we didn't know, we had to quickly figure that out. And then we said, you know what, maybe this is not even where I want to be. And I want to pivot into a completely different career space. Now we've been in these spaces for eight years, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. At this point, we have been in it. We have an understanding of what our values are. Because I could see 22 year old Brittany was like, whatever, however much money you can give me, bet whatever job paid me the most, that's where I'm going. This was the same decision I made when it, when it came to college. Whatever college gave me the most scholarships, that's where I'm going. Now, Brittany on the other side of 30 is like, where's my peace and where's my balance? And where will I be? Where can I grow? Where can I receive development? And I know, and I always joke about this um, with Alexis and just with any other person that's in the L&D or HR space is that we are so um, employee centric that when we have an issue or when it's time for us to develop or when it's time for us to get some skill sets or somebody to come and coach us or mentor us or speak us up. We're the last in line because <laughs> we are so focused on everybody else that nobody focuses, focuses on us. So I'm, I'm in a, in an industry that I would very similar to what you said, Blair have to really call out for assistance and for development and for help because no one's thinking to help the helper, you know? <laughs> so now that we're on the other side of 30, we're like, okay, so a big fat check is not going to make me happy because if I can just make ends meet, but I can ride my bike and spend time with my family and see my, and see my parents and travel, then all that other stuff don't mean nothing in, in it anymore. So now I want you all to think about who you are today who Blair is today, who Alexis is today, and speak to what you now find important when it comes to your career, your job, and what you're going to be doing. And if you can just share with the audience one self-help tip that you've learned 
on your path with others on how they can preserve their energy, how they can protect their sanity. That would be amazing because I'm not doing my job unless I am leaving somebody with something that makes them better. (laughs) It's so true. Like we weren't taught any of that. And it's something that I've learned. And I now guard like a mother bear guarding her cubs. Exactly. (laughs) It is something that is non-negotiable. I think once you start investing in yourself financially, whether it's with any sort of coaching or, um, you know, just a healthier lifestyle in your meal planning or, um, a, a trainer or a therapist or any of those good things that everyone should have. Um, once you start doing that financially, you carry more weight um, with your own self-care. And it's cost you now to get to a place where you didn't think you could. Um, and it's it's now put put a cost and a value on the time that it took to get you to where you're at. Um, so I would, my tip for that would be look at your in the inventory of your time because everything, yeah, I'm like Alexis, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a spiritual woman as well. I believe also that everything happens for a reason, but I also believe that everything is seasonal and there is a beginning and an end to every season. So what you're going through right now, you might not be going through later on in life because at some point the season is going to come to a close. But if you can recognize that everything is seasonal, it allows you to stop and take inventory of your time and really figure out where your energy needs to go. So some, so for me, that can look like, okay, for these next two weeks, to keep it real here, <laughs> I'm going to pause the dating apps. I'm going to pause going out okay. on the town. <laughs> I'm going to pause no. all of that. Because... I miss hot girl Blair. <laughs> I was loving hot girl Blair though. <laughs> oh, she's, she is there. But you know, I have, re- I have recognized that I am most effective when I have two things on my plate at one time. So if that's something in my personal life and work, then it's, you know, so if it's dating and it's work, then it's dating and it's work. Or if it's, oh, there's some stuff going on in my family right now that I need to focus on. But I also really need to focus on work right now because, you know, maybe we're going through some transition or maybe there's a big project I'm working on or a cool initiative that I've been asked to be part of. Like, whatever it is, really kind of keeping that plate balanced in terms of items and knowing that it's all seasonal. So it could just be a couple of weeks, but then, you know, I mean, girl, look, I love a good whining and dining. Right. (laughs) Especially when you ain't got to (laughs) pay. I don't know if this is the title that I want, but queen of the first dates. Oh, queen of the first dates. For sure. Uh, But no, look, if you're looking for your person and you're out there listening to this, you know, hit me up. Uh, But no. (laughs) I know my girl Brittany is going to take care of me. But uh, but no, really just looking at 
the intentionality of your time and navigating that accordingly um, and not being afraid to press pause or, um, you know, just just say, okay, for these next two weeks, I got to focus on these two things. Um, and so that's going to have to kind of take a take a side burner because when you're not doing that, what happens is the areas of your life that you can't focus on with full intentionality do take a side do take the side burner, but then you don't give them the side burner intentionality that they need. So there's no expectation there being set up of like, look, I'm not going to be able to spend as much time in this, and then you know, it looks like you're missing expectations and you know that's when you let people down and then you feel bad you feel bad and you get you feel guilty and things like that so we don't have time for that i don't have yeah. time for that i don't have time to feel guilty about taking care of me <laughs> no we got to get rid of the fact that there's guilt even centered around taking care of yourself and putting yourself first because a lot of corporations will make you feel bad about taking a sick day and don't right. <laughs> that's why you gotta or, that's why you got the hours take the, the time whole- you need not having a family. I shouldn't be expected Ooh. to stay longer because I don't have kids at daycare to be picked Ooh. up. Ooh. But Ooh. that might be part two Ooh. of this conversation. Oh, <laughs> the real millennial struggle. Because mm. what they don't want to say is that single-handedly, motherless, single women need their own special award and corporate spaces because we are we are literally why corporations are still alive on their on our backs of being able to be the first ones there and the last ones to leave but thank you so much Blair oh my gosh of course and get going but this was a pleasure thank you thank you for staying a little longer do this again yes (laughs) grab the wine and get it done yes yes for Thank sure. you so much, Boo. You're welcome. Alexis, I know that you have seen so many people's so um, not their so-called, but so many people down on their lowest. And probably you've had those self-care pep talks with people. But I would love to know what you have now come to realize is very important to you and your career. And what are some of your self-care tips that you've done or have realized you need to do to keep yourself from going postal. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. It's a work in progress. You know, I'm still fine tuning all that. It's, I'm, I mean, I'm a true Virgo. It's control, like control of my time. Um, mm. I don't let anyone dictate my time anymore. Um, and um, I don't provide like explanations too much of like why yeah. I need to step away or I'm not available anymore. Um, and, um, I'm much more like, well, it, it took a while or it it took a while. It took a lot of work too. um, in confidence in myself and in the work that I do and have done, um, in what I currently do, I, you know, I consult, um, for different companies. I don't, I'm not in-house. I don't work in an organization anymore. Um, I'm external. So they come to us because they have a need um, and they need support or they need strategy. They need, they, you know, they need extra HR hands. And so um, I'm able to, you know, provide the service and I, um, if they want to argue like back with me, it's like, I'm not going to argue back 
like I'm not going to stress myself out like I would in a you know full-time in-house opportunity and just before I was always stressing second guessing myself bending over backwards just breaking what I had you know my experience and my knowledge for what you know someone was arguing with me about or just like they just because they don't agree <clears throat> um <laughs> I'm very I'm I notice I'm much more confident and I lay it on the table and I'm like this these are the options a, B, and C, this is how these all could play out. You know, if you go rogue and you go your D, this is all that could play out too. Um, and it's it's much more of a headache for you because remember, I'm not in-house. I'm only, I'm, I'm billable hours. So do you want to, you want me to bill you for more hours to clean up the mess? that you Because you want to go route D. And again, you have no background in HR, but you want to argue with me. So this is on you. You know, I'm very like much, I'm much more confident now in my role. Um, I'm younger than, you know, the clients that I support sometimes. So a lot of them tend to push on the fact that I'm younger and I may not have that experience and stuff. And I'm like, nah, nah, that's not it. We're not doing that no more. I've been doing this 10 years. I've seen it all. <laughs> right. Put some yeah. respect on my Put name. Put some respect on my name. Yeah. Um, and you know, in my new role, things happen. Like my my mother is getting older and there's more things that are being thrown at me and I'm being dependent on. So <clears throat> I don't feel that guilt anymore when I need to step away. Um, and that's probably my biggest, that's for me, that's the biggest thing. Um, and what makes things worth it right now. Um, myself, my health, my family's health is going to come first. So if I have to step away um, and be unavailable because uh, this happened, it's part of life. I don't feel guilty. Um, and the moment I feel that someone is questioning or um, doesn't understand or tries to make me feel guilty, you best believe I'm going to be quick to, you don't have to worry about me. You don't have to worry about me. Pack my <laughs> little bag. Right, pack my little bag. Like I am Annalise Keating out of here. (laughs) I I will see see myself myself out. You know, so um, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of people associate like self care with you know facials and massages and stuff like that, and it's it. Everyone is different. Um, we whatever makes you feel good, um, do it. Um, don't compromise anything for it um you know i i don't get facials as much i don't do massages you know for me that like stresses me out trying to schedule it into my schedule and doing that so you know for me it's just being able to detach and like read a book for fun um you know not being stuck on a computer as soon as i'm done working i put my computer away like i don't want to open a computer again unless i absolutely have to for you know for work related purposes. But once I'm done working for the day, I'm done working. I'm done. I open a book. I'm, you know, my, you know, my boyfriend and I are like cooking a meal or we're having dinner. Um, I really will chuck it up to my boyfriend that I have. Um, now it's important for us to have dinner together every, like every night that, you know, we're together, um, and be present. Um, sometimes we're just so exhausted. We don't really talk. We're eating, but we're there. Um, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so for me, as long as I have that, 
and no one can mess with my time, I'm, I'm cool, I'm happy. Um, but the moment that my time is threatened or I, yeah, I, I'm out. You're not gonna do that to me. Um, no one will do that to me again. Um, I don't have kids yet, so I can't even imagine if I had a child and someone said, mm, nah, you can't, like your kid's sick, sorry. Like, so kids get sick every day, B. Uh-uh, not mine. Not mine. <laughs> man, man. Because Lex, you hit the nail on the head. You just like really highlighted a point that just clicked to me. Is as we get older, we are now starting to step into spaces that we used to see our parents in. I remember my mom and my dad having to deal with their parents becoming older and getting sick. I am now at that space where my parents are getting older. My parents are in and out of this may happen to them, that may happen to them. My sister has a child. She needs help from time to time. And there have been times that I'm like, look, I'm having a family emergency. I have to go. And there have been previous employers that have made me feel bad for the fact that I needed to do something and needed to step away. And I just wanted to highlight this. The point that you made is that that guilt needs to be removed because so many of these places are at will and would fire you on the spot if they needed to. So why feel guilt? Why feel upset? Why feel terrified to take the time? Because what's most important is your family. That job, and I think that's also why we see the great resignation being so popular is that everybody's like, that job. That job is barely paying the bills. It is not giving me the healthcare that I need not the time off that I need. There's no paternal or maternal leave. There's no protection. There's no mental health built in. Like you're working in an office to a point now where people are like, I'm in or I'm out and I don't have to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you're right. I mean, honestly, let me tell you. <laughs> these laughable. Wages, these wages laughable. These hourly roles. <laughs> I am not above. I am not above. Right. I am not above. <laughs> getting me a job at a, a grocery store or a food place for what they're paying hourly. Just no, I'm not above it. I will do it. Like my, my worth is right. If you, if you give me, if I take one of those jobs, I know I'm working from, you know, let's say it's a Starbucks. I'm working that morning shift until two. That is PM. one of I'm the benefits. Bye. I'm right. <laughs> I'm not above it. You know, it definitely made me more comfortable. And I'm like, you know what? Was, you know, telling my partner, I was like, listen, if this don't work out, I'm going to give me a little hourly job. <laughs> <laughs> he, he looks right. at me and he's like, honestly, like, I'm not above it either. He's like, I used to do that. Oh, he was like, I was in the military. Do you know how much they paid us a week? And right. how, like how much time we didn't get off? You know, I mean, granted, you're, you're signing up for it. I understand it. But he's like, and then, you know, when you finish the military, you're basically out on the streets and they look at you like you're a bum. Like there's, you know, it's crazy that you have to start all over and like figure out what you want to do. Like, yeah, I was making hourly and I'm not above it. If I got to go back to, it, I got to go back to it. And you know what? I'm like, damn, I'm not above it either. We don't figure this out. <laughs> and, and and you, and you want to know something? And this is what these corporations did not even realize because they let go so many people like, 20 30 percent of their workforce the workers that actually get the work done they let them go at the top of the pandemic 
and people got real creative in making ends meet because rent was still due. People's mortgages were still on the table. Bills weren't paused. So you got creative. So now that jobs are like, oh, 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 we need y'all back. We want y'all back. We have stipulations now. We have standards now. You're just going, you're not going to be able to talk to me any type of way. Talk to me nice because I will go back to DoorDash. I will go back to OnlyFans. I will go back to Starbucks because I've been able to eat potatoes for a week and and I've seen, I've seen worse. We have literally lived through a pandemic. I know there are families out there that made a, a pack of potatoes stretch for a week. Talk to me nice because now, oh, if I want to walk, I'll walk. But it's going to be a, a rude awakening if they can't get their act together because the great resignation is just the first step. Well, thank you so much, Alexis and Blair, for joining me for another episode of Tackless Radio for our Tackless topic because we are literally the cornerstone of it all. So thank you so much for being here, boo. (laughs) 